Hello boys, guess who? You know, we all have idols, people or things we regard with a completely blind admiration, adoration and devotion. It's okay to admire and even adore people, but you can take it too far and end up in a place that may not be that healthy. Now, there isn't anything wrong with letting others inspire us to be or do better, far from it. And if you were to ask me, I'd probably provide a list of people who inspire me. The list changes from time to time and it isn't set in stone, but there is a list. Often there are people on that list who are now deceased, but them not being alive any longer doesn't stop them being able to inspire me or others. Alistair was an inspiration for me with riding. He was stronger, fitter, smarter, faster and just always out in front of me. At races he could tactically choose when to push harder and make up lots of time. He could ride up hills I had to walk up, ride longer and further than me and I wanted to be as good as him. So I rode a little more often and started commuting occasionally. Then I would follow directly behind him on the steeper hills or ride beside when the track was wide enough. This increased the speed I would normally ride at and kept me riding at the speed for longer. Typically I'd slow down when I got a little puffed. All of this meant I gradually got stronger, fitter and faster. Mark Beaumont is another person you've heard me talk about. He did something totally unbelievable to me when he rode around the world unsupported in 2008 smashing the world record. This ride redefined for me what might be possible on a bike and now I'm planning on riding the Tour Aotearoa, a measly 3000 kilometers unsupported. There are always going to be people who do things we can't. They'll be faster, stronger, they'll go further, they'll try things everyone else thinks are impossible. These people redefine normal and inspire many to try something outside of their comfort zone. They push us into achieving more than we would perhaps do otherwise and we are right to look up to them. When I was younger I remember looking up to lots of different people for lots of different reasons. Some were brief interludes of thinking someone was cool then getting to know them and finding out they weren't at all who I thought. One person wasn't like that though, and this is a story about him because I idolised him for a period of my life. He was a little older than me, but on a whole other level of coolness and had what I thought was the perfect life. He had a cool car, surfed, something I loved and did at the time, was a youth worker, something I thought was just the best job, and had a beautiful wife. I hadn't met mum at that stage of my life. I admired him, his faith, his capacity, his job, his life. It seemed like nothing was ever too difficult or too much for him. He always had a good answer. He always had a smart answer. Over the years he influenced me in all sorts of positive ways. He asked great questions and was irreverent in his humour. He always made me feel good, valued and accepted, which were things that I didn't always feel as a teenager. But he also challenged me on my actions or words when they weren't consistent with what I said I believed. He's probably been in my life since I was maybe 16 and been a strong, positive influence on me and my faith. Then, seven or eight years ago, he simply walked away from faith. He left his wife and kids, left church and abandoned his faith. In some ways, I still don't know how to respond to this. I'm still dumbfounded that someone who had what appeared to be such a strong faith could simply leave it. I mean, what do you do with that? It really shocked me. It made me again question what I believe. How can someone who not only knew so much and influenced so many suddenly decide to deny faith? So many people have had their lives positively impacted by him and so many began their faith journey because of him. To this day, I don't know what led to this and it isn't simply like they left church. They no longer have any kind of faith. That got me wondering and speculating. I mean, I had to. I have to rationalise to myself what happened. I don't know, but I wonder if his faith wasn't founded in Jesus and the resurrection. I wonder if the weariness of church, religion and a faith that started in something or someone other than Jesus eventually just crumbled. 
I mean, over the years, we know so many people who seem to have drastically changed what they believe or how they lived. I guess this is a similar story to the one I told a couple of podcasts ago. On lots of occasions, people in my life or in influential positions at church or work have done or said things that make me question faith. Not just my faith, but all faith. I'm not alone in this, and I'm convinced that doubts are okay. Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, was big on doubt. So much so, we have the phrase, a doubting Thomas. My view is that it's okay to have doubts. In fact, doubts are just a part of life. How many times have you heard an All Black say after the game they won that they were thinking they hadn't done enough and doubted they would be able to win? Or someone finish a big project and talk about how they didn't think they'd be able to get it done in time? We have doubts most days, every day probably. But the big thing in life, not just faith, is continuing on through those doubts. Right now we're planning and coordinating a two-month family holiday in England and we're having some doubts. Will we be able to afford it? Can we manage the travel with you three boys? How will we cope in London when I'm working? We've got lots of doubts. I often doubt we're doing the right things as we're parenting. We know what we want for you boys and the values we hope you will live with as adults, but we're plagued by doubts about how we're getting there. As you grow and mature and ask new questions or push back in unexpected ways, we doubt that we're getting it right. But we don't give up because of our doubts. Rather, we continue planning the holiday. We keep on reflecting the values we hope you boys will inherit from us and the steps we're taking to impart these. We don't stop or quit. We might change our approach. We talk to others. We remain focused on the goals we have. We don't build our lives or make plans according to how others live, what they believe, or worse, how we think others are living when we haven't had the opportunity to sit down and talk to them about their values or their faith. If my faith was built around what this person I've been telling you about had, if I'd been a follower of him and not a follower of Jesus, what might have happened? Jesus talked about this after something called the Sermon on the Mount. This is where he talked about living differently to everyone else, about how the first would be last and the last would be first, the poor would be rich, those who were sad would have reason to celebrate and lots of other things that on face value make no sense. Jesus then told the story about someone who built his house on the sand and another who built his house on a rock foundation. You can read this in Matthew 7 or Luke 6 if you want. A big storm comes and the house on the sand is washed away whereas the house where the rock foundation stands. I think part of what Jesus is saying here is to not idolise anything else. I think when we idolise something we run the risk of that becoming the foundation of our life and people make mistakes. People change their minds. People let you down. So let others inform your faith, but don't let them be the foundation. Build the foundation on following what Jesus said. Alistair inspired me to be a better writer. Mark Beaumont has broken lots of other world records and just last year blitzed the record riding around the world in under 79 days. I haven't done much more than a couple of overnight rides, but my definition of what might be capable has certainly been expanded because of him. Similarly, the guy I've been talking about stretched my faith. He challenged what I thought about lots of things, particularly inclusion, something Jesus was hugely in favour of. My ideas of how faith can be so different for different people comes directly from him. My desire to live a varied yet balanced and successful life probably started with him and how I viewed him in his life. But my faith isn't a clone of his. He isn't my idol and he's not the foundation of my faith, so I'm not going to blindly follow his thinking. The song you're about to listen to is one I would play on repeat around the same time as the last couple of episode songs. It retells the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who got tossed into a fire for not bowing to a golden idol. Slight tangent, but I used to always say if I had three sons I'd like to call them Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. I love the uniqueness of the names and that they did something right under pressure. They went against the grain and refused to be clones of those around them. Their faith was informed by others but not affected by the things that were happening around them. I'd be surprised if they never had any doubts, but the doubts didn't make them walk away. The doubts didn't have them give up. 
Anyway, here's the song Not Gonna Bow by a guy called Russ Taff. Be good and do good with your words, actions and possessions and money. Don't bow to anyone except Jesus and your life will have a foundation that isn't shaken by the choices and decisions of others. You will have a life that can cope with the challenge life is going to bring. Love you. (laughs) 